Welcome into the Rob Logic Podcast. Week 5 of the NFL officially in the books. Ends with the Kansas City Chiefs picking up a nail-biter of a win over the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost said Oakland. The Las Vegas Raiders. Four touchdowns for Travis Kelsey. Him and Patrick Mahomes continue to do just unbelievable things for this Chiefs offense. And Kansas City just continues to roll they're the clear team to beat in the AFC West. They are one of the best teams in the NFL once again. Didn't matter all the moves in the offseason, the Raiders bringing in Devontae Adams. It didn't matter the Denver Broncos bringing in Russell Wilson. It just doesn't matter. The Chiefs are look to be the best team in the AFC West for yet another year, and that offense is just so much fun to watch. Every single week they seem to come out and put on a show. But a lot happening here in week five, especially the Minnesota Vikings. That's, of course, we, we, we always love to talk about the Minnesota Vikings here on the Rob Logic Podcast. And let's talk about those Vikings. Kind of an interesting game against the Chicago Bears. Vikings in the first half looked amazing. And then in the second half, really felt like... We were watching the Vikings team of a year ago that let teams stick around, find a way back, and then Minnesota would wind up choking and losing in a game like that. And that just wasn't the case again this week. The Vikings will make your blood pressure rise, might lose some hair during a Vikings game, but in the end, 29-22 to victory over the Chicago Bears, even though it looked dicey there. At the end, when the Vikings needed to go down the field, eat up some clock, able to do it. Kirk Cousins capping it off with the rushing touchdown that I'm sure nobody saw coming. But Kevin O'Connell, I really felt like in this game, first half especially, the play calling really shined. And it seems like every week that we kind of go through here now, O'Connell's kind of getting used to some of these some of the guys on this offense and, you know, Kirk Cousins is really thriving right now. He almost threw for 300 yards there against the Bears. I think uh, completed passes to eight different guys, so spreading the ball around pretty well. Of course, that group headlined by Justin Jefferson, 12 catches, 154 yards. I don't know how they're able to do that where he's just able to be so wide open, but it seems like these last couple of weeks Vikings have been – able to do a really nice job of getting him in some favorable matchups and teams aren't quite able to game plan and take him away and out of the game the way that we saw teams like Detroit and Philly were able to do there in weeks two and three. So for Minnesota, um, I, I like the way that this team looks, but can we can we please not make these games so close? As a Vikings fan, it's just you have to be happy with the 4-1 record. Okay, first off, it's very very difficult to win games in the National in the National Football League. Just ask the Cincinnati Bengals. They've lost a few heartbreakers already this year by just a field goal. So, if you're a Vikings fan, you have to be really really excited about the fact that your team is 4-1, but there are some things to clean up. The Chicago Bears should not be coming back and making a game of it there in the second half the way that they did. So for Minnesota, moving forward, I think um, a lot of things to like, 
Defensively, I still have some questions as far as the secondary goes, but the the front seven, I, I do like the way that they are able to generate pressure, and I, I would like to see some more blitzes called, but I think that group is starting to play better, but I, I, I do think that that is kind of still a weak spot, the secondary especially, kind of a weak spot, but they're, they're making plays when they need to and, and when the game is on the line, and at the end of the day, that's really all that matters, and that's why this team is 4-1. and one. We saw it. Chicago was driving down the field. Cameron Dantzler, his play kind of up and down throughout his entire Minnesota Viking career, but when you need it, he makes that play gets the turnover, Vikings able to pick up that win, and right now sit atop the NFC North. Green Bay losing to the New York Giants in that game over in London. Um, Giants now a 4-1 team just like the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think anybody saw the Giants coming out and kind of playing the way that they have this year, but for them to pick up that win against the Packers, that's that's big for the New York Giants, and that, that's really big for the Minnesota Vikings because now you're you're – solely atop that NFC North and just kind of I also felt like O'Connell got back to we, we saw more of the run game and Dalvin Cook able to really get a feel for the game get getting 18 carries just just feed him 94 yards averaged over five yards of carry on the ground two touchdowns Kirk Cousins had the rushing touchdown yeah that was on a uh, quarterback sneak but I uh, like the way that they utilized that and then Jalen Rager getting in with a touchdown. Love to see that. The the play calling by Kevin O'Connell when this team was in the red zone. This year, the team has seemed to struggle in the red zone, but in this game, we, we saw some of that creative Kevin O'Connell play calling. See Jalen Rager able to, uh, you know, on the sweep motion there, get the get the one yard touchdown run a lot of different moving parts on that play but um you know for minnesota it's it's fun to watch when they're really clicking and then you know defensively would still like to see this team get to the quarterback a little bit more and and pick up some more sacks but at the end of the day i think the defense is what it is but as far as offense goes we're still kind of starting to scratch the surface of what this offense really can be but moving forward you see all the different players that are getting involved. Irv Smith Jr. with four catches for 42 yards. K.J. Osborne had five catches for 41. Adam Thielen had four catches. So Cousins is really distributing the wealth there on the offensive side of the ball, and that will bode well for Minnesota down the stretch. And the way that you allow Justin Jefferson to go off for 12 catches and 154 yards and get that wide open on some of the plays that he was against his Bears defense is you spread the ball around. You don't just try to feed one guy. And I noticed, you know, the short and intermediate game, Minnesota really kind of was hitting that a lot with multiple guys. And, you know, that allowed the defense to creep up just a little bit and then they're able to hit for some of those deep balls uh you know as well so i think a pretty good balance from this minnesota vikings team but the biggest thing i really want to see from the vikings is a complete 60 minutes we still haven't seen it yet great first half by this team against the bears but you know third quarter you didn't score at all allowed the Bears back into the game, and then it got interesting there in the fourth, but at the end of the day, you were able to win the game. So hopefully this team is able to make some of those adjustments, maybe keep the foot on the gas 
when they pick up the big lead. But overall, 4-1, and one, they've grinded out some wins against the Detroit Lions, the New Orleans Saints, the Chicago Bears. Now, those aren't good teams by any means, but you still you have to win those games. You, you have to win those games. And, and for Minnesota, it doesn't matter if it looks good. It doesn't matter how ugly it is as long as you pick up the win. That is the biggest key. And then coming up, Minnesota plays a talented Miami Dolphins team, but with some of those injuries at the quarterback position, we'll see what ends up kind of happening with all that. Is it going to be – is Tua going to be okay to go? Is Teddy going to be okay to go? Both of those guys dealing with uh, concussions and, and the protocol and everything with that. So we'll kind of see what, what happens with that. But – Overall, I expect it to be another really good game. And if you see Tua or Teddy playing in this matchup, I could easily see this being a high-scoring affair with some of the weapons offensively. And as a fan, you have to love the fact that on one team, you've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and the other, you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, two of the two of the best wide receiver duos that you can get in the NFL. That's what you want to see as a fan. And, you know, hopefully the Miami Dolphins will have um, a solid quarterback in there. You, you would you would hate to see a third-string quarterback in a matchup like this. So hopefully, hopefully either Tua or Teddy is going to be good to go because I would just love to see, love to see a shootout this Sunday with some of those offensive weapons that I mentioned. But... Talked enough about the Minnesota Vikings fantasy football. Okay, how's everybody feeling? Got five weeks. You know whether your team is going to probably, you know, be in the mix for a playoff spot. And then there's a lot of you also out there that, well, you're feeling it right now. You're you're at that point where, you know, oh, I'm 0-5, I'm 1-4, there is no way back for me this year. And basically, you're already looking forward to next year. Now, if that's the case, I would suggest, you know, maybe, just maybe, playing some daily fantasy sports. You know, whether you want to do FanDuel, DraftKings, I don't care what you do it. But, you know, daily fantasy is kind of nice. It's nice for those people that still want to actually have a meaning, meaningful fantasy football experience. But... So if your team is trash and you are already out of a playoff race, I would highly suggest getting into some of those daily fantasy footballs if you need to scratch that fantasy football itch. Um, but for me, I'm doing all right uh, in all my leagues, some better than others. But for everybody that started Jared Goff this week at the quarterback position, I've, I'm right there with you. I feel for you. I mean, what the heck? Jared, what are we doing? I mean, only ended up with, in, in my league, I don't know how your scoring is, but at least in my league and my scoring, 5.86 points. Now, that is awful. All right, now, now, golf went off for me the week before, but in this particular league, I've got Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, and I'm feeling really stupid for not starting Carson Wentz. I should have known Bill Belichick defense. Don't start Jared Goff, but I did. He's probably my number one biggest fantasy bust for this week would be Jared Goff. Lions went into that game against New England with, I think, the number one 
offense in the entire National Football League, the Detroit Lions. And you get shut out by New England, and you get beat by a third-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi. Like, what? I mean, I know that Detroit is historically disappointing when it comes to football. But I was, I mean, Jared, what, what is that? I thought you turned a corner this year after four weeks. Then we get to week five, and this is what I get. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if I should just release him at this point and try to add a quarterback on the waiver wire. Uh, might be a little bit too early for that, but I'm already thinking it. I'm already thinking it because I'm I'm starting to have flashbacks to Jared Goff that I would draft with the Rams that would be on fire some weeks and just terrible other weeks. I really don't want to have to go through that again this year, but, I mean, you did hear who my two quarterbacks are, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. So basically, take your pick and pray every week if you are me. <laughs> that being said, I still won this week, even with Jared Goff putting up only 5.86 points because I've got the Cowboys defense, I've got Travis Kelsey, and I've got Mark Andrews, and I will roll out the double tight ends in fantasy football because, you know what, it, it works. At least it has for me this year, and um, I'm going to pick up the dub this week to get to 3-2. and two. Nothing great. But three and two, that's, you know, at least I, I feel okay about my chances about potentially making the playoffs. As long as you're at 500, or in this case, I'm going to move to a game over 500, I can feel okay about the fact that, like, hey, I may be able to make the playoffs. Now, that was, that was in one league. My biggest, and, and then, of course, also, um, unfortunately, I do have to say this because so this team with Jared Goff and all the tight ends that I'm talking about, unfortunately, Rashad Penny, um, he's done for the year. That is that's very unfortunate. He is one of my favorite running backs in the league to watch. I love the way that he plays the game. Um, you know, he's a tough guy, but unfortunately, the injury bug is just something that always tends to happen to Penny, and ends up getting injured, and it will be done for the year. Hopefully he's able to get healthy and come back yet again because, I mean, it's 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 fun to watch Rashad Penny when he is healthy and able to, you know, do things that he can do on a football field because he, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, he's one of those guys that plays the running back position extremely tough. He tries to run through people. I love to see it, but unfortunately that injury bug just hits him so hard. And once again, he's going to be out for the season. So, um, I'll have to do some looking for my running back position, but um, I've also I got Naj Harris and Melvin Gordon the third. So that's who I started this week. Rashad was on my bench, um, but he obviously will not be available for the Seahawks or for my fantasy football team for the rest of the year. Hopefully, he's able to get back, get healthy, everything. Would love to see him come back next year and and just go off because he's. He's fun to watch, and he is a he is a really really good back in the National Football League. Now, in uh, some of my other leagues, um, I will have to say. So, you know, I talked about biggest bust. 
biggest winner for this week it's got to be Taysom Hill. I've got him in uh, – I usually do ESPN Fantasy Football Leagues, but there's one Yahoo Fantasy Football League that I'm in. And uh, I've got – I left Taysom Hill on my bench. It didn't matter. I won anyways, but just seeing how many points that I left on the bench with Taysom Hill, it was kind of frustrating. But at the end of the day, like, I, I feel like – I talked about this with a coworker at work, and – it just seems like Taysom Hill, he might have one just amazing fantasy football game, one or maybe one or two every year, but like you never know when to start him. And that's typically why I stay away from him. Like I've got him on my team because I was just that thin at tight end. I have Taysom Hill and Noah Fant. So that's why I've got him on my team, and, and I mean, I just never think really to start him unless, worst-case scenario, Noah Fant gets hurt. But even in that case, like I think I'm probably looking at the waiver wire, seeing what tight ends are out there, and I'm probably not going to be starting Taysom Hill unless it's very extreme circumstances. But with the New Orleans Saints not able to move the ball very efficiently on offense this year, I totally understand why they fed Taysom Hill as much as they did against the Seattle Seahawks. And, I mean, it, it, it paid off. They got the win. Taysom Hill had amazing fantasy football points and some really great stats there against the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, it's it's one of those deals where now I'm kind of wondering, like, was this a one-off game or is this something that we're going to see because the New Orleans Saints just – really aren't in a spot I mean this isn't the Drew Brees New Orleans Saints they're not they're not moving the ball very well Andy Dalton at quarterback I mean Jameis Winston not a whole lot better right now just with him and kind of all the injuries that he's dealing with so that's kind of where I wonder like is this a guy that you know maybe we can maybe they're going to continue to feed I mean nine carries for 112 yards and three touchdowns against the Seahawks like that's that's ridiculous. I mean, Alvin Kamara had a great game going over 100 yards, but he's, he didn't even rush for as many yards as Taysom Hill did. And then Taysom Hill also throwing for a touchdown in the game. He had as many touchdowns passing as Andy Dalton did. So um, I'm wondering with New Orleans, like is this something where Hill is going to be kind of leaned on? kind of bumbling my words there but is he going to be a guy that this team really kind of leans on is just this offensive weapon moving forward or is this somebody that I kind of need to stay away from because in the past we've seen him have games where he'll go off you know and he'll put up great numbers put up great fantasy points and then just kind of it's just so hit or miss. Like I am taking a giant risk in in starting him, in using one of my f- spots. That being said, Noah Fant has not really been putting up that good of numbers for me this year. So maybe I do kind of lean to the Taysom Hill feast or famine that I feel like he is as a fantasy football option. And who knows? Maybe this year with kind of the situation. They're in New Orleans. Maybe he is going to be a guy that this team just is like, hey, we're just going to feed him. 
we, we have to in order to be effective offensively. And, of course, New Orleans does have a pretty good defense there. So um, he, he's one that, I don't know, maybe I need to see one more week of Taysom Hill doing some pretty amazing things before I start on fantasy football-wise. And maybe, you know what, maybe I'll say screw it. Let's go ahead and uh, start the guy this next week. I could definitely see myself potentially doing that. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of see how all that plays out. But that's one guy that I'm kind of looking at and really going to be watching. And, you know, if you're kind of out there looking on the waiver wire, it may be worth taking Taysom Hill if you've got – if you're able to get him, I mean, I'm sure everybody will be putting a waiver claim in for the Saints Swiss Army knife after the week that he had. But he he would definitely be one that I would I would put a waiver claim in just because he could be a guy that they really feature in this Saints offense moving forward. Switching gears now, I know we've talked about a lot of NFL. We talked about the Vikings. We talked about fantasy football. Hope everybody continues to have good fantasy football, have a good fantasy football experience. I cannot talk. I cannot talk right now. That's all right, though. We'll, we'll bounce back. Um, switching gears, though, I want to talk a little bit about college hockey. So um, one of the teams that I'm responsible for covering with my full-time job, which is sports director at a TV station, is the Minnesota State men's hockey team which is currently ranked fifth in the nation. They split this first series with the Minnesota Gophers. Doesn't really get any easier this week because, I mean, Gophers were rated number two in the nation. They're number two again this week. But the Mavericks are going to get the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. They're currently ranked fourth Bulldogs with a sweep over Arizona State in their first series of the season while Minnesota State split. Uh, Minnesota State, first game of the year, kind of got beat up by the Gophers, but I love the way that this team responded when the series shifted to Mankato. I'm able to pick up a 3-2 victory. Ryan Sandlin with the game winner. He was the team's leading goal scorer from a year ago. He's a guy that you just kind of expect in that sort of situation to come up with a, a big play, whether it be an assist or a goal. And in this case, it happened to be the goal that basically sealed it for the Mavericks to beat the Gophers in split. Uh, a lot of question marks for this Maverick team coming into the season defensively and goaltending. Anytime you lose a player like Dryden McKay, who won a Hobie Baker Award and he set all these NCAA records, it, it's hard to replace a guy like that. And I think, you know, after one game against the Gophers, it's easy to, you know, maybe maybe hit the panic button, but Keenan Rancier really came back, played a good game there in uh, game two. I think he made 25 stops, and so team able to get the win and split the series. Probably best-case scenario for um, Minnesota State, considering how the first game had went, and then you'll get this series against Minnesota Duluth before the team ends up playing St. Cloud State. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to follow this team and for me personally. So my hockey background before coming into this line of work, of working at a TV station in, here in Mankato, Minnesota, and becoming the sports director. Growing up in Iowa, hockey, not, not a super big thing. 
you know. Um, I really didn't know. Like, I knew hockey was a thing, obviously. I knew that it was sport. I'd watch Stanley Cup games, but that that was really about it. It wasn't until I got to college that kind of started following the Minnesota Wild a little bit more religiously and, and kind of all of that. So, And then when I came to Minnesota, um, I just realized how big of a deal hockey actually is. And, I mean, it's so cool because – you have all of the rinks, all of the pond hockey rinks in the winter that are just constantly filled up because people are playing hockey all the time, and that's what everybody's talking about, all the different college hockey teams in the state, the Minnesota Wild, all the high school hockey teams. I mean, it is a cool experience. Like the first state tournament that I went to at the XL Energy Center, I had heard stories about you know just how electric of an atmosphere it was for a high school hockey tournament but you don't really understand it until you're there and just the fact that like i mean they sell this they sell this venue out for a high school state hockey tournament i mean it's it's just amazing and then you see some of the players on the ice and it's very very high level elite stuff and i mean it's it's no surprise that minnesota produces so many professional hockey players uh, at the end of the day because they they really put on a show out there and um, so you know I've continued to kind of learn about hockey every year here in the Minnesota State back when I started in 2014 it's that's kind of always been the thing here in Mankato is you know the Minnesota State men's hockey team and uh, some things that they've been able to do over the last few years nothing short of incredible from a program standpoint couple of frozen fours for the first time in program history at the division one level um, last year finishing as the national runner up to denver it'll be tough for this team to get back to that point of playing in a national championship game just with losing a player like dryden mckay that is you know the most valuable player pretty much in college hockey um, you lose a forward like nathan smith Julian Pravnik, another forward that the team lost, and then defensively had some really key players that um, are just are no longer with the team. Um, so for Minnesota State, I think defensively that's going to be kind of where a lot of the question marks are. But offensively, this team is still loaded with a solid group of forwards. Brendan Furry, he's the he was the CCHA preseason preseason player of the year Ryan Sandalan, as I mentioned before coming up with that game winning goal against the Gophers he was a leading scorer from a year ago a lot of production out of him Cade Borchert is a guy that that plays extremely well and then some of the other guys on this team Andres Pavel played really really well for the Mavericks last year during the biggest biggest moments uh, of the season as far as the NCAA tournament went. Um, the team wasn't always getting production from the first and second line, but it was the third and fourth line. And Pavel really playing a key role down the stretch in the postseason for this team. So there's a lot of, lot of different guys on this team that can get the job done. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to – how this team kind of continues to evolve and how they kind of 
figure things out because it's not it's not like last year going into the season they knew exactly who they were as a team and I think this year they're going to try to find their identity and they're going to have to do it pretty quick um, they, they already answered the first test by splitting with the Gophers next you get Minnesota Duluth and then St. Cloud State so couple of tough series for the Mavericks but it's it's going to be fun just to kind of see what guys are able to do with some of the opportunities that they have because there there are some spots that they're still kind of trying to to figure out and we're going to see how this team evolves uh, in the next few weeks so that's always fun and and I tell you what going to a Maverick hockey game it's it's one of the best things to do in Mankato the the energy the atmosphere it's always so much fun to uh, go to a game there inside the Mayo Clinic Health System Event Center, and it's it's just always a blast to see, you know, people just get super super excited over over hockey. It's kind of funny because coming from Iowa, you know, we were the state of wrestling, if you want to call it, and so we always, you know, would. I mean, there's sometimes where we'd have. You know, you'd see more people at wrestling matches than you would a basketball game. And so, I mean, wrestling was always a big, big deal where, where I grew up. And then kind of seeing the way that Minnesotans treat hockey, it's I've, I've kind of taken that on a little bit myself. I mean, when I first moved here, I was like, hey, first thing I've got to do now since I am officially a Minnesotan, I need to get myself a pair of skates and hit up the pond. So I got myself a stick. Um, I'm a terrible skater. I am just absolutely horrible, trash. I mean, whatever you want to say. I am putrid as a skater. But I I got some skates. I got a uh, stick. Funny story. Uh, first time I go out skating, I ended up snapping the wood stick that I had just bought because I was like, yeah, you know, I got to go all out. I'm going to play pond hockey and all this. So I buy the skates. I buy the stick. First shot I take, you know, I, I scream out, Sidney Crosby, and hit the ice with the stick. Did not hit the puck, and the stick snapped in half. So that was the last time I used the wood stick, and then I went out got a carbon fiber one. It's got a little bit more bend here and there, so um, I'm still using that thing. But it's kind of nice, too, because, you know, we're, we're, we're in fall, and I love fall. But once it gets cold out and once that ice freezes, it's like, man, now it's it's winter. It's hockey season. Let's go. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit of hockey on this podcast. Um, it's not going to be my biggest strength compared to some of the football, NFL, Major League Baseball, which I mean, whew, Major League Baseball, playoffs. Who saw the New York Mets getting knocked out by the San Diego Padres? I mean, I'm just, I was shocked. And then the Philadelphia Phillies taking down the St. Louis Cardinals. Baseball with some great storylines here in October. Cannot wait for the DSs to get started. Is that the, is that the correct saying, DSs? I'll just say I cannot wait for the ALDS and the NLDS games to get started here because it's it's awesome. And, you know, a couple of teams that I would say to look out for are Cleveland, uh, 
Um, they Cleveland just always seems like I don't know this year the Guardians. It's they seem like team of destiny to me. Now I could be wrong. There is a great chance that I will be wrong. But any time that you get to October and you have Terry Francona as your manager, I am going to bet on Terry Francona and whatever team he is managing because that dude gets it. He knows how to win in April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. It doesn't matter. Terry Francona knows how to win in the way that he has coached his team up. I mean, the Guardians, they don't. They don't go for the home run. They don't strike out a lot. They they put balls in play and good things happen. They pitch well. They play great defense. The Guardians play baseball the way that it was intended to be played. Not with all these analytics saying to go for the long ball, go for the long ball. They're just getting the the job done the old-fashioned way. And even though I am a Minnesota Twins fan, I really, really hope that the Guardians are able to make a deep run this postseason. I mean, I, it would be so cool for all of these analytics people to be kind of proven wrong with the way that the Guardians go about manufacturing runs. Because the way I look at it is like, yeah, I, I mean, we all love to watch home runs. We all love to see strikeouts. We all love to see all these pitchers that are throwing, you know, 98, 100 miles an hour starting games coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, it's all great, but it it is there's something refreshing about seeing the Cleveland Guardians manufacturing runs the way that they do by stringing together a lot of hits. They're not trying to just always get that long ball the way that all these other teams are. And guess what? It works. That's why they are in the playoffs. That's why they beat a team that relies heavily on analytics, the Tampa Bay Rays. So, you know, I think watch out for Cleveland. Watch out for Cleveland in the American League. They are, I I think they really have a shot to go to the World Series. I really do. That's a team I like out of the American League and I've I've liked them ever since they clinched the American League Central um so and you know as a Twins fan I mean it does does kind of feel a little bit better if the team that beat out the Twins in the American League well who am I kidding the Twins they're the third best team in the division if it wasn't the Guardians beating the Twins this year out for the division it would have been the Chicago White Sox so I'll just leave that completely out of it. But then in the National League, um, New York Mets are out. You know, that's a team that a lot of people thought, hey, this is the Mets' year to go out, go to the World Series, win a World Series. So what happened? What happened, Mets fans? What happened, New York? San Diego Padres come out. And in a winner-go-home game three of that wild-card series, Joe Musgrove just sits the Mets down and sends them packing. I mean, it's it's wild that you go out, you have Max Scherzer, you have Jacob deGrom, yet it's not good enough. 
it's not good enough. And, you know, Joe Musgrove only allowing one hit, striking out five over seven innings against the Mets, completely shut him down. And San Diego is marching on to the NLDS. So where where does the National League kind of stand? Well, my favorite for the National League is actually going to be the defending World Series champions, and it just goes back to that championship pedigree. Uh, manager Brian Snitker, I think he pulls all the right strings when they need it, and there's just something about the Braves. I mean, they just they really came on here in the last few months of the season. They were off to such a rough start. The Mets were off to such a great start, but but yet who won the National League East? It was the Braves, and I really like the Braves. I like everything that they've done. Spencer Strider gets locked up for what seems to be, I mean, if he continues to pitch the way that he is, I mean, they would have gotten Spencer Strider on a giant discount. But that's the Braves' way. They lock up their young talent early on and really put themselves in position to be competing and they do a great job of you know kind of bringing up these guys that can contribute right away i don't think people thought michael harris would play the the way that he has this year but he's been he's been great and they just have so many guys that have stepped up when somebody goes down i mean it just it doesn't really ever matter and like last year you lose a player of Ronald Acuna's talent. But yet, their GM is able to go out and get all the pieces necessary to win a World Series without a guy that is, at that time, a top-five player in baseball. That's incredible. It's incredible what they were able to do last year. It's incredible what they were able to do this year as far as winning the American League East with the way that New York really looked for most of the season. But once again, the Braves, doesn't matter how you start. All that matters is how you finish. That's the old saying, right? And that's that's what the Braves did. They were able to really kind of hit their stride. Michael Harris played a big part in being a spark plug for that team. And here they are. I think they're going to go to another World Series this year. Um, I think it's going to be the Braves and the Guardians. But we'll kind of see how it all shakes out. Obviously, Los Angeles is right there, too. Los Angeles has all the talent. But if I'm putting money, and again, this kind of goes to the manager, um, you know, I'm going to take the Braves. Because I, I love Dave Roberts, his manager there of the Dodgers. And, and I think what he does is great for getting the team to postseason. But some of his managing decisions in the postseason, I feel, have really burned the Dodgers over the years. Now, they did win a World Series title back in 2020. (coughs) Excuse me. But still, um, I will take – I'm going to take the Braves. And, I mean, I I think it's close, though. I I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Dodgers get there with – the talent that they have, but right now, I mean, I really, really like the Braves. I think they know how to how to get there and how to win it, and that's half the battle. So 
I will take the Braves and the Guardians. And Guardians fans, unfortunately, I'm going to I'm just gonna make my World Series pick right now. I'm gonna go with the Braves in six games to win the World Series. Heard it here first. Probably wrong. I probably am not gonna even get Cleveland or Atlanta right as far as who's going to the World Series, but but hey, this is Rob Logic, so we're gonna roll with it. This is who I'm gonna pick. Like I said, probably going to be wrong if you're a Braves and Guardians fan. I am so, so sorry, but that's what I am going with. And you know what? That's going to be a good good, good time to stop. So sorry I missed the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to try to get back on track here. Might drop a couple different episodes throughout the week. We'll kind of see how it goes, you know? So, um, you know, that is that. Thank you all for listening to Rob Logic. I will I will see you next time. Well, I won't see you, but I will I'll talk to you next time, all right? All right, sounds good.